Do you know one of the things that I love, I've loved about, you got your mic there, Jürgen, do you want to get that, get that headset? There it is. One of the things that I love about my Christian life is that, um, you know, I've been following Jesus for 20 odd years now, and um, I just love the fact that I've made Christian friends along the way, people that encourage you, that spur you on in your walk with Jesus, and um, they're often unexpected friendships, that's one of the things that I love the most. And um, I've found that I've just had a spectrum of friends, some that are much younger than me, some that are much older than me. And, um, and when I got to meet this guy like a few years ago, obviously I've known some of his family for a little while and known people part of it, but to get to meet him and Mona just a few years back, Jürgen has been such a blessing to me personally, just as a friend in Jesus. And that is a joy to have, like friends in God's. And you're probably, you probably know that. You probably already, oh look, they're all coming back for you, Jürgen. They're coming back, they're all, they're all like mass exodus returning for your preach. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're everywhere. Um, but when you have friends in God's, you realise that those people, they challenge you. They lift your gaze a little bit to what God's like. But more than anything, they stir up an intrigue in what it's like to be a disciple of Jesus. They don't always, they don't try and tell you what you should think. They just stir your head and your heart. And this friendship that I've had with this guy for the last three or four years has been so like that. We love reading books together. We love reading God's word together. We love having coffees and chats and talks about life. And so this guy has just been a huge blessing to me personally. I love him that he's a friend to us at the church as well. So I'm going to invite up Jürgen. He's going to come and speak to us this morning. Come on, my friend. Thank you, Oli. Is this on? Oh, let's turn this one on then. All right, good morning. Uh, it isn't morning anymore. Um, it's so good to be with you again today. And uh, yeah, it's been a year since I was able to say anything to you, but uh, it's a privilege. Thank you, Oli, for, for letting me do this. My heart is really full. And uh, I, think, uh, I think God has spoken to me, and I think I bear the responsibility to, to bring it to you today. Uh, it's, good, it's good to come together in the new year, you know. It's, it's the 2nd of January, some of us are tired, some of us has, have definitely overeaten, um, and I, I'm one of them, and you, you wonder, so how, how are we going to go about is why are we even here but still look at your numbers look, look at all of you here and, and children being here so so welcome to the meeting of the church the church is whenever we get together and there the kingdom of God is being manifest the kingdom of God is all the time everywhere where Christians are but we bring it together and we create critical mass and I think that's very important to keep in mind this is not gonna be your typical vision Sunday kind of start of the year, let's do this, talk. It's not going to be that. You, I think you don't need that. You know what to do. You know you ought to love God and love people and stay loyal to him no matter what. That's it. You could go home and just do that. You don't need me to tell you what to do. Well, if you're new here, if you're a visitor, if you don't think you're a Christian, if you wouldn't consider yourself, and you, you would say, well, I don't know what to do, let's talk after the service, we're here for you, let's do that. But I want to raise a question today, why are we here today? You've been here last year, why would you come today? 
I mean, seriously. Why do we keep coming back again and again and again? It might sound like a silly question, but I, I, I beg you, try to answer this question for yourself. Why are you coming back? Maybe I give you some hints. Maybe because we have hope. We have a hope that there is some benefit, some blessing, some gratification that will be given to me when I'm there with all my other fellow followers of Jesus. That's a good thing, isn't it? Or maybe we have a memory of such a blessing that we received some time ago and we hope that it will happen again. We've been waiting for it. That could be a reason why we're here today. In fact, I think we can safely say that we humans go back to what satisfies us. If there's something that satisfies you, you will go back to it. It's just a fact. Maybe there's some explanation, but I'm, I'm, I'm not in that area. I, I couldn't explain it to you. It's just if you look at it, if something satisfies you, you will go back to it. It might be a good thing, or it might be something very short-lived and sinful. But if it satisfies you in that moment, if it does that, you will go back to it. Now, think about the most remarkable event or moment in your life with God. It might be a conference, it might be when you were filled with the Spirit, it might be when you were saved in the first place, or whatever. Just, just bring it to your mind, remember, what was it? What was that most remarkable experience with God, if you got one? You got it? Now let me ask you a question, would you like that to happen again? Would you want to have it again? Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's an honest question. You, you, you need to answer that for yourself, you know. Would you go back to it? Yeah. Would you like to have that again? If yes, well, it's called good memories and it's legit. Good memories. You need to have them in your life to exist as a human. Good memories, legit. But what if I told you that next Sunday, if you come to this place where we will meet again, something that you've been asking God for a long time, many, many times, I can give it to you. Would you come? Yeah. Oh yeah, because it's called hope. It's hope. And that's legit too. If I told you it will happen next Sunday if you come on time, you will be here, you know, one minute before, just to make sure. It's called hope, and that's legit too. Now, there's something about it which we can actually read from our Bibles. If you, if you can flick quickly through your Bible, we won't do any exegesis or anything, but in Psalms, in chapter 34, verse 8 says the following, Taste and see that Yahweh is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. What does he say? What should we do? Taste. And see that Yahweh is good. There is a way in which we can probe the goodness of God. Why do we need that? Why would the Bible invite us to do that? 
Why would the writer of the psalm and the ones who collected those psalms and put them together and transmitted them to us, why would they do that? Because there's an empirical way in which you can find out that God is good. He's good to you. Why do we need that? Because then we have memories. And then you have something to go back to. Then you know where to go back to. Something to come back to is what we need. Do you remember the, the episode when Jesus went up on a mountain just with two of his friends and said, hey, let's go for a hike. And they went up there and a big cloud covered Jesus and there was a voice from heaven saying, my beloved son, and they were all like awestruck. It was the most amazing experience. What did Peter say? Oi, boss, should we make some tents? We should just live here. We could come back and maybe it happens again, but what about we just move in here? This is a nice place. Come on, the glory of God. Wow, all the prophets wished, and we're just some poor fishermen, you know, we saw the glory of God. Let's just move in here. Let's camp out here. Let's stay here. Would you do that? If next Sunday it would happen to you, you know, that thing that you've been waiting for, would you move in here? Would you be, bring your sleeping bag and your thermos and just make sure you never leave? We all long for such a place of permanence. It's very important for us. You know why? Because if you live there, you don't have to come back. We come back here every Sunday because we don't live here. And now there's a dangerous thing to this because we think in our minds that once we gather here, we meet Jesus. And then we have to face the ugly world outside. But if I come back next Sunday, I will meet Jesus again. And then I go back into the ugly world outside. And then the next Sunday, do you get it? How about we move in? Well, I can't really do that. We have jobs, we have families, we have commitments, yeah? We need to keep them. We live in a society. But if you live there, wherever it is, you don't have to come back. Now, what's your guess? Is there such a place where we could move in? Or maybe it's not even a place. Maybe it's a state of being in which we can move in and be there all the time with Jesus, with God, with Yahweh, all the time. And the blessing is there all the time. And you would probably tend to answer to that, oh yeah, once we get to heaven, wherever that is, and whenever that happens. What if I promised you next Sunday, I will give you that place, definitely. I will give you that place of permanence. You will never ever have to look for God again. He will be with you all the time, all the time and completely. But you know what? I can't do that. I, I, I haven't got it. I'm not there completely. I'm just a beggar who gives alms, if you understand that metaphor. I use borrowed words from the one who gave himself to me. I'm hungry too, but. I'm hungry just like you, but I know where the bread is. And today I invite you, let's go to the place where the bread is. All the time, all the bread, all the time, all the bread. And now we do the proper reading for today. It's the first of the Psalms, Psalm 1. Some of you, I know you read it already because you go through your Bible and 
if you do that kind of Bible reading plan, you will read Psalm 1. It's a good start for a new year, right? So why don't we read it together? I'm going to use the um, Lexham English Bible. It's my favorite one. So if it sounds a bit different, don't worry. It says the same words. So Psalm 1 says, maybe it can't. Oh, there it is. NSAB. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Blessed is the man who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, nor does he stand in the way of sinners, nor does he sit in the assembly of mockers. Instead, in the law or the Torah of Yahweh is his delight. And on his law he meditates day and night. And now listen to this. And so, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that give its fruit in its season. Its leaf also does not wither. Therefore, all that he does prospers. Not so the wicked. Instead, they are like the chaff that the wind scatters. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For Yahweh knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Did you see it? Look again at verse 3. Do you see it? He's like a tree. When was the last time you went through a park and saw a tree walking? Yesterday. Cool. I haven't. Because normally, in the universe I live, trees don't walk. But this tree here is planted by streams of water that gives its fruit in time and also does not wither. Have you seen it? There is the permanence we were talking about. Planted, rooted, planted, and not just anywhere. It's by the living stream of water. That's a metaphor of, of living steadfastness, of living stability, and that's what we need in our lives. That, that's better than coming back. That gives you the permanence which is necessary. God's kingdom is not coming and going. It came and it stays and it will last forever. So you would expect that the people of the kingdom come and stay and last forever. That's what we need. Unmovable, growing and not fading. And also bringing, bringing fruits for others to enjoy. That's community, and that's multiplication. That's how multiplication happens, through fruit and the seeds. And you know what? If you, lead, if you read that, therefore all that he does prospers, that tells me that even the doing gets done. Once we're by the living water, the doing gets done also. Now this is what I would suggest today. What about we develop a habit of habitating at the source of nourishment. You see what I did there? What about the habit of habitating? Just the habit of being, of living, of dwelling in a place where the nourishment is. What if we move into the bakery? Would you like to live in a bakery? Oh gosh, the smell of fresh bread. Can't beat that. The scriptures are such a place of permanent nourishment. That collection of scrolls that we call the Bible is a permanent place of food. 
Name any circumstance of your life and I could probably point you to a passage of scripture that will feed you with hope and with perseverance and with faith and with love. That's what we need. How about in this year we put ourselves a quite, att- ourselves a quite attainable goal of raising the biblical literacy amongst us? How about that? All you need to do is read. And I think in a society like today, most of us can do that. How about we dwell on the Bible? How about we get familiar what's in it and chew on it, like properly masticate whatever's in there and extract all the nutrients and all the juices? How about we lose for a change the lenses of confessional affiliation? We tend to have our preferences and we tend to group around them. How about we lose that just for a change and we forget about some theological systems and much more, we, we munch on the Bible just as our Hebrew forefathers did and as Jesus did and as Paul did and as John and Peter did and as the Gentile Christians from Berea did and so many millions of other people after them and hopefully us. Let's just do that. Let's just do that and see what happens then. You know, today with all the technology, we have absolutely no excuse, no excuse whatsoever. Literally at our fingertips, we have the best of the resources available to us for free. You don't even have to pay for them. That's amazing. That's absolutely unbelievable. It never happened before in human history, this kind of access. There's documents that have been researched, scrolls that have been found, which the reformers never dreamed they existed. You know, you've probably heard about the Dead Sea Scrolls in Qumran. They have been studied for decades. There's juicy stuff in there which the reformers, which we so esteem, didn't have. So we're winning and we ignore it. Why? Guys, come on. Let's do something about this. There's spirit-filled people out there loving Jesus and making, making it the mission of their life to bring that stuff to us for free. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. You can't, you can't stop the church. That's what Jesus said, and that's what I see happening. Those resources are brought to us. The bread is free for you to grab. Don't be silly. Get some. Taste and see. It's at your fingertips, literally. That's not a metaphor. They make scholarly, serious, Jesus-loving content available for more stupid people like me and maybe you. People who have, have to go to school, we have jobs, we have families, we have commitments, you know. But they make it available for us. So why don't we, why don't we take that? You probably know that I'm quite, uh, I'm quite impressed by what the Bible Project, the guys in, in Portland, Oregon, what they do um, with, their, um, with their organization, with their, um, what's it called? It's, it's not a charity. It's a non-profit, yeah? So far, they have touched about 200 million people who have benefited from their content. Just think about it, 200 million people. When you talk about movements, 200 million is quite there. How did it happen? 
They did it in a non-partisan way of bringing resources without affiliating to any kind of system. And people just embraced it and benefited because it's juicy Bible stuff, it's normal, it's contemporary language, it helps you rebuild the categories which we have lost and which the contemporary society and media have changed for us. That's a very conservative estimate, 200 million. The good news is that as of yesterday, there is an app on your phone and it's free. Just go to your Play Store or wherever you download your app, Bible Project, press there. Your elders are already impressed with it uh, because they pressed it. Yeah, you can download it for free and you can use it. It will help you to study themes and words and trajectories through the Bible, movements um, of, 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 of the storyline of the Bible. Very, very important. Also, they have a Bible reading plan. So you can go through the Bible through one year. I did it for five years already. This is my sixth. I'm getting even more excited. I'm not intense about it. But I keep reading and reading and rereading, and every single day something pops up, which in my over 30 years of reading the Bible, I haven't seen. There is bread and there are some specialties, better than French croissants, which you will find every day. You just have to look carefully. It's somewhere there. Look carefully and you'll find it. You know, get a good Bible reading plan. There are good podcasts out there. By the way, the Bible Project also has a podcast, yeah? There's also the Naked Bible Podcast. I'm sure you remember that. It's, it's not the Bible that's naked. It's just the content layer bade of, uh, um, laid bare, that's the word, of, of any kind of like political arrangements. That's important. Or Exploring My Strange Bible. Do you find your Bible strange at times? That's the podcast for you. It will, it will unstrange it for you, if that's even a word. Yeah? And uh, yeah, there's, there's good stuff out there. I will shamelessly plug this book. It's written by Michael F. Bird, and it's called Seven Things I Wish Christians Knew About the Bible. Unbelievably good. Dan Kimball, who is the author of How Not to Read the Bible, says, holy smokes, this is a book every Christian or person exploring Christianity should, I'd rather say must, read. If I had the money, I would buy it for each and every one of you. I, I'm sorry I don't have those resources, but that's, that's the kind of, I'm serious. That's the kind of stuff that's so important. Now you, have, now you know, and now you have no excuse. Go home and just do it. Read, contemplate, ask for wisdom, and act accordingly. That's it, simple. Read, contemplate, ask for wisdom, and act upon it. That's it. And we should do it together. I would submit to you that scripture's reflection and faith were never meant, meant to be individualistic activities. Never. We made them individualistic. Believing was something you do together, as praying was meant to be something you do together, and reading scripture was something that was meant to be done together, and reflecting on what you read was meant to be done? Yes. Yes, indeed. There are Bible reading groups already in this church, as far as I know. And as far as I know, there's other people very eager to start new ones. How about you? Join one or start one. Let aside any political systems and just read what's there. Get some tools that help you understand what you're reading. And just read and bounce the ideas back and forth. And I tell you, if you need that door, if you need that door really well, you're going to have good bread. You're going to feed on that. 
How about we do that as a community? How about we make this year 2022 much, much better? We can do it together. And then we will be the trees planted by the rivers of water. Fruitful and evergreen. Even your Christmas tree you have to throw away. But you will be evergreen if you do that. Others will gladly pick the juicy spiritual fruits we produce whilst being informed by the sacred scriptures. There's one thing, as always, there's a catch. It's a choice you have to make every waking moment of your life. You will either be a tree of life to those around you, or you will be to them a tree of testing. It's the same story as in the Garden of Eden. There's two trees. One is a tree of life, and one is a tree of testing. And you will be a tree. And I think you have to choose wisely which one you want to be to those around you, to your family, to your workmates, to your neighbors, to your community where you live in. You're either a tree of life planted by a river of life bringing fruit of life, or you will be a tree of testing and many will stumble and fall because of you. I don't think I have to tell you how to choose that. I plead with you today, together, and starting today and every day, let's live and spread life. Let's group and learn the storyline and the patterns of the Bible. Let's think together. Let's act in symphony. Jesus, help us. Amen. This is what I, I do. I, I, love, I love our meetups. When we, when we spend time with each other, every time when I listen to Jürgen, he just he stirs me. I don't feel condemned. I don't ever sit across a coffee table feeling like Jürgen's judging me, that I don't read my Bible enough. I feel stirred and provoked. That's what good friends do. They don't condemn you. They stir you and they provoke you to say, come on, let's be a people who love God's word and who read it with each other. I'm going to pray in just a second before we finish. We're not going to sing a song or anything, but I just, I just wonder, with the people that are around you now, we just chat to someone that's there. What's stirred in your heart from what was said today? Just, let's just spend 30 seconds. No, let's spend two minutes. 30 seconds is too short. Two minutes. Just talk to the person next to you. What's stirred in your heart? How could you apply some of that? Invite someone. Ask them if they want to read the Bible with you this year. You're released to talk. You can go it. You've got two full minutes to do so.